0: All right, everybody. It is time for another episode of the Crypto 101 podcast. But before we dive in to our awesome, awesome guest and conversation today, I want to remind you guys of two things. And the first one is that if you go to Crypto101insider.com, you can join our private community. Here's where we have our model portfolio and all of our top picks. We also have a uh, Crypto 101 University. Uh, where we have hours and hours and hours of written and video content that explains blockchain and explains cryptocurrency in a very bite-sized and easy to understand way. Uh, And we have a weekly newsletter that goes out and quarterly state of crypto addresses that go out. There is just a ton of value packed into this every which way. So I want you guys first uh, to go to crypto101insider.com today uh, if you haven't already. I also want to remind you guys that Pizza Mind and I recently just finished a book. Uh, It took 11 months of our lives to write
1: All right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Crypto 101 podcast. This is Pizza Mind here, and perhaps this is going to be the last crypto podcast, at least that I host for a while. I'm thinking of going into the quantum universe and learning the true nature of reality and then writing the most ridiculous white paper on crypto anyone's ever seen to finally change the entire landscape of the financial world and then come back and I'm going to drop it. Bryce, what do you think? Is that going to work?
0: this is definitely the 1st time i'm hearing of this and so if i need a new podcast host uh, i'll definitely need uh, i'll need to put out the bat signal hold on hold on a second folks.
1: hold on oh, looks like people have already done that it looks like every white paper ever in 2017. um starting <laughs> so late to the party i i guess i'm gonna have to stick with being a podcast host um fortunately <laughs> we have a guest with us today who's uh, gonna carry the show since i've completely crapped the bed already we have with us uh zerox Cassie who is a trader nft speaker uh welcome to the crypto 101 podcast
2: thank you so much Aaron that that's that's wonderful are you sure are you sure with that I mean that was a really quick trip I feel like there could be a chance <laughs> I,
1: the time is compressed in the quantum universe I've, I actually looked through everything already and I'm in the right place and so are you and so are you Bryce Bryce how are you holding up today
0: Hey, I'm holding up good. Uh, I have actually had my pops in town this weekend, getting stuff set up around the house. Um, so you know, it's it's always good to do some some family bonding times uh, when it's just you know one on one. So that was really you know special. Um, you know, the weather's been great. The markets have been eh, not so not so great, a little volatile. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited to dive in. To DeFi and to NFTs uh, with a true, true expert, uh Zero X Cassie. What is, you know, I, I see the Zero X blank and the 0x name or the dot ETH. And so for many people watching at home, they may be like, why is she called Zero X Cassie?
2: You know, I actually think it has to do with, and I'm gonna double check. So it's a hexadecimal, and it has to do with the
0: the address hex- formatting. The,
2: yeah, the address format formatting. I actually so it's funny that you mentioned this because someone had suggested that I change my name to that and I I did and you're you're right it is very common among crypto traders specifically on on Twitter. I tried to grab mine uh as an ENS address and someone literally like literally a week prior to me having this brilliant idea I grabbed before <laughs> I did and it's like oh I know they just want me to cuz I that's my um that's my name across all the platforms, so nice. I'm pretty sure they were hoping they could make me a really good offer.
1: They're holding a hostage.
2: <laughs> they are. That's what happens, right? They did it to Amazon. They did it to Google. I felt kind of special when it happened. <laughs> <laughs> I it's a love good it. way to look at
1: it,
0: yeah. So mm-hmm. everybody, you know, if you have a Ethereum wallet, it, it always starts with zero X. Yes. Um and then blank, 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 right? A bunch of digits and stuff. But what I, you know, you just mentioned ENS, right? Ethereum Name Service. And that's like a a really popular brand new sort of well, I guess it's not brand new, but it's just starting to hit the mainstream now, where instead of having like, you know, uh, www.blank com now people can have their own Ethereum name service. So so what is what does that even mean?
2: Um it's like having your own domain. So I I actually did end up purchasing a few uh prior to losing that one. Um I think I have Cassie Loves DeFi.eth. And if you go and look, it's cool because it has uh you can enter information for your Twitter handle, um, any other links you want to include. But the idea is it makes it that much easier when it comes to sending and receiving crypto, right? Because instead of having to like copy paste these crazy long addresses where there's a chance or especially in situations where you don't know if you can copy and paste. Right. So you're typing them in. It makes it so much easier because you don't have to worry about actually yeah. sending it to the wrong address.
0: Aaron, do you have your own, uh, ENS or any sort of crypto domain name?
1: To be honest, I thought it was a r- real scam at first. Uh, I've seen a lot of them come and go. I think I'm more of a handshake kind of guy, which is like a root <laughs> DNS sort of thing. But, um, I'm just kind of waiting to see what sticks, but there really is a gold rush on uh, .eth domains right now. And people are literally just buying up as many as they can by the thousands. It's quite absurd. And even like, you know, big companies too. Yeah. So, you know, value is really in the eye of the beholder. And that's a great segue to NFTs. You know, NFTs, we hit the market a long time ago, like actually 2016. I think was the first one. Maybe CryptoKitties is probably the most popular innovator and uh, yes. punks and some of these other things. But like last year, 2021 was really the year of NFTs where it just exploded and you saw thousands upon thousands of collections hitting the market, some of them going for millions of dollars, some of them going for nothing, some of them going from millions to nothing. It really reminded me of uh, you know the birth of altcoins. And now that we're seeing, you know, many, many altcoins actually building networks of value and good service um, that are gonna last, you know, quite a while. Where is the NFT space right now? Are we still in the price discovery mode or are we really seeing some real long value being built in some of these things?
2: Oh my gosh, we are doing so good right now. I can't even tell you. <laughs> so so okay. All right, well so, I guess
1: that's the end of this podcast. Though. I know, I'm sorry.
2: Us. Is that no, so it's so th- it it's it's amazing. So my my focus. So I was really heavy into DeFi and actually you and I spoke about DeFi the, the last time we met. And just kind of chit-chatted about where the crypto space was. And DeFi was like my baby. I was so obsessed with it. I was following all these projects. I'd met all all these founders. I was so optimistic about what they were trying to do. And especially since the bear market has hit, my focus has kind of like switched over to NFTs because there isn't much of... I mean, bear market hits, it's really sad. You know, crypto is sad. We're very sad right now because prices are going down. NFTs are a space that you won't find that as much. I'm not saying it's not happening over there. But because NFT projects are so heavily reliant on the community factor, you have these founders that are creating value right, for their holders. And well, I mean, most NFT projects are maybe what? like I, I would say, on average, 5,000 to 10,000 pieces. So you're also working with a much smaller volume. Versus having, you know, these crazy meme coins where there's like eight bajillion coins available and liquidity is an issue. It's it's a completely different space over there. Uh, have, are you guys familiar with Utes List?
0: I've heard of Utes. Yes,
2: you have. Did yes. you? Did you apply?
0: I did not apply, but I just uh, saw on Twitter uh, it just caught in steam like over the past probably only like week or so. And one of my buddies writes an NFT newsletter, and he started talking about it. But what what is it? Why is it getting so much steam?
2: So useless was, and now I'm not I'm not an expert on this. This isn't one of the communities that was falling a ton before. But so so you have the NFT communities of Ethereum, right, where the the more well known um, projects are. Ford Yacht Club, Uton Yacht Club, Sappy Seals. I, I like I have a Sappy Seal. And then on Solana, it's it's different. I mean, the, the dynamic is different, it, even socially. I don't know if either of you are very active on Twitter, but Twitter is where all the crypto information gets like that. Is if you're not, you really should be, because there's so much information that comes through there and it comes through so quick. As you know, everything in this space moves so fast, it's hard to like, unless you're really engaged, it's so hard to follow. And uh, Gods is one of the blue chip projects on, on the Solana chain. And Frank, who is the founder of DeGods, he's very active on Twitter. Um, that's, and that's one of the things that I love about NFT projects is that the most successful ones are very active. The founders are very... They're engaging with their holders, right? Holders aren't watching the cost because unless you're coming in to flip your NFT, you're there for the long term. So it's it's just a very different space compared to like defi where i mean most people are coming in to make a profit right they want to come in they want to buy but, i mean they're hoping the price is going to go up they get stressed out they're probably going to sell if there's nothing happening with the project if they get rug pulled whereas in the nft space the project itself may not even be there may not be any direction there may not be any real solid roadmap but if the founders and the people are involved it's it's like a web3 social club Interesting.
0: Interesting. It's a whole uh, other deal. And, and and so community aspect is a lot more important. Would you say maybe in NFTs than like a DeFi platform?
2: Oh, absolutely. And well, oh,
0: I, I was just going to say, what are some of like the hallmarks of like a successful community? I know you're getting pretty active in community building. Uh, what makes one community stronger than the other?
2: I mean, having a roadmap. Having a roadmap is really important. Uh, I would say overall, though, communication. If you look at for example Board Ape Yacht Club. So I had the I had the honor of attending um Ape Fest. I do not personally hold an ape, but I have a friend who holds an ape and he could not attend and they cur- they created this event in New York City. It was like 4 days long, right? They had all these big names come in Little baby was there, Eminem was there. Snoop Dogg came in and performed, and it's it's incredibly exclusive. Like we had to like pull some strings to make it work for me to even be able to do it because using NFT technology.
3: Hey guys, TiVo here to tell you about the UFi Video Lock, a smart lock, a 2K camera, and a doorbell all in one. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit ufyofficialcom slash video lock. Again, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock. Get complete control over your front door.
2: The way it's set up, there's no secondary market for the actual tickets, right? Because they're NFTs, and it has to be connected to your wallet. So, if you wanted to go to Ape Fest and you're holding an ape, you had to connect this app that they had to your wallet to claim your tickets. And the friend that I know who had an ape was like, "Hey, you should go. You know, you can hand out stickers, with my ape on them." And I was like, "Absolutely, I would love to go." And so we finagled it, but. Outside of that there's if if you didn't have one, you couldn't go. There were people in line I had like a plus one, a lot of people had plus ones, and there were people in line that would literally come down the line and say, "Hey, do you have a plus one like can I get in with you because they were so strict about the entry requirements and it was such a great time. I mean it was open bar, not that that's like a huge deal, but you have all these n f t projects that are creating value mind you it's in it's in different ways right because they each have their own kind of signature so so, Bored Ape Yacht Club, they have Eminem and Snoop Dogg. They have some, uh, Justin Bieber, I think, has an ape. They have some big celebrity types that kind of represent them. They also have their IP rights, right? So, anyone who owns an ape has IP rights and can capitalize on that. I saw Target came out with like this Born Ape Yacht Club shirt, right? Which means they were, they rented, if you will, the IP rights to do that. But that's just Born API Club. There are, are so many other different ways that, that these projects can provide value, whether it's like giving insights, alpha info on trading, DGODS has Useless and several other things going on. It's just they're, they're like micro token based economies.
1: Interesting. So rather than buying like an altcoin and holding it for the scarcity of the supply, this is more like scarcity of access.
2: Yes. Is that right? Yes, that's a beautiful way of putting it.
1: Okay, so we've got scarcity of access and we have all these different communities now that are trying to vie for people's attention and like just make a cooler community. So really like the value of these NFTs is not even the NFTs themselves but the people who are holding them. Is that correct?
2: Exactly. It's it's really interesting because I feel like what we're seeing is a I mean we we kind of saw this before like the shift from traditional marketing, right? Traditional just like commercials and you know, handing out flyers and like the ads on the internet. We, we saw the shift from traditional marketing to influencer marketing, right? Where it's like, okay, we're going to pay you to make a TikTok video about X, Y, or Z. And, and now we're going even further away from traditional marketing to this whole new curated, like, all of my friends have this NFT, so I'm going to buy this NFT. You know, just because. And I did like this little survey on Twitter about like with the focus on NFTs, and I'll probably redo it. I think I got maybe 40 responses, but the overwhelming majority, I think there was like all but one person said that they would hold an NFT to zero if it had a good community. Now, the thing is, is if an NFT has a good community, it'll never go to zero, right? But it was interesting to see that. It, like people who who buy NFTs do it to be included. They want that access, as you mentioned. It's 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 really interesting.
0: Huh. Now, is there anything? So besides, you know, like you know, getting into events and and all that kind of stuff, are are you able to take your NFTs and generate a yield on it? Maybe by lending it out or by having somebody rent it from you? Because you know, I wish there was a platform, and may, maybe there is. I'm not super deep in the NFT space yet, but uh maybe there's a platform where you could, you know, you have a board ape and you're like, hey, I can't go to this, or I have, you know, season tickets to to this game and I can't go to this game. And you could put your your NFT up there and somebody could rent it and you have the verifiable, you know, you hold it in your wallet for 24 hours, but then it automatically gets sent back or something like that.
2: Yes, there there are platforms like that. I have not personally been on. And engaged with them, but I do know that they exist. You can rent out your, you can run out your your NFT, and uh, it also comes in, into play with IP rights. Wow. So if a company wants to utilize an, a, you know a board ape, for example, uh, in their business, they can come in and they can rent that board ape, and you can put together like a contract. I don't think there's there's one there. I don't think that there's a platform yet that really gets into the specifics and like from a legal perspective <laughs> includes like all the information that the, that you would want in that because if you look at it it's like okay so let's say i'm a company and i rent the ip rights of this you know board ape because i want to start a restaurant or i want to do whatever and then that person loses that ape right it gets hacked it gets taken from their wallet then what you know i i think we're still in the early phases of that where we're we're trying to develop these like more sophisticated systems that really fit the legal the you know the the legal Requirements that we would have anywhere else.
1: Yeah. The legal, the safety, all that. Yes.
2: Stuff. Absolutely.
1: What are the best NFT tools to analyze these NFT markets and what kind of data are you looking at? Like in altcoins, we're looking at volume and market cap. What are the main metrics of NFTs that you look for?
2: Um, so you would also with NFTs, you would also look at metrics. I look at holders because if there's if you have an NFT project that has say, 10,000 pieces, but there's only 793 holders. You know, I, I mean, it's like, okay, like how big is the community really? It, it's, is this just a money grab? And I'm not saying every project like that is. Actually, if you look at the Punks project, there's, it's one of those things like...
0: What, what, what's a website that we could point users to go to that you could actually see like how many holders are in each collection? I don't, right? where do we even start?
2: I mean open sea if you're going to if you're on ethereum um I really so I really love hello moon which is solana nfts okay and they are they are like I don't know who runs their account but they are super active on twitter and it's wonderful it's amazing there's a ton of engagement there again going back to community building and creating a brand
0: wow hello moon I'm looking at this right now this is this is pretty cool I've never seen a website like this just for solana nfts it was funny you know somebody made this comparison and it kind of stuck with me but you know nfts on solana are maybe like
4: save big on brunch for mom all in the kroger app get half gallons of delicious kroger milk for 129 each then get flavorful tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for 249 a pound all with your card and a digital coupon Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.
0: Like Walmart and then NFTs on Ethereum are kind of like, you know, Prada and Gucci and all that kind of stuff. What, what do you kind of make of that crude analogy? <laughs>
2: I mean, uh, I think it's. I think it's. there I know there are people that actually do believe that. You know that. Like I've met people who are very, very much pro Ethereum, very anti Solana. Uh, there's kind of this meme that goes around, and it's like Solana is for the pores. That's what they say, right? Because it's it's just like everybody's so crappy about Solana, and and even me personally, honestly, when I so before when I first got into NFTs, I've i I'd met this team that. Had a project and they were on Solana. And so I got onto Solana and I remember trying to buy the NFT and it's like the transactions just continued to fail over. And, And I was just like, Are you serious? You know, it's much more functional now. I'm very pro Solana. And even though, even though that was a common issue, you know, I wasn't the only person who was having that issue. A lot of people had their transactions fail. It's almost like trauma bonding with this entire community, right? Because you're all, everybody's like, trying to buy this one NFT that just launched, right? And you're watching the price move. And it only, it sounds weird, I guess, but it it only like kind of solidified that community aspect because anybody who dealt with that, who wasn't going to tolerate it, left, right? They're like, no, screw this. Like, I'm not doing Solana. I'm going back to Ethereum. And so you're left with all these people that are like, just kind of embrace it and accept that it's part of the process.
1: Is it better to mint an NFT during that initial launch, or is it better to wait a while and then buy something on the open market? Because example, like when an altcoin launches, it skyrockets up to you know, God knows what price and then retraces like 95% and goes into accumulation. So we tell people every time, like, don't buy your coins like the first day out. Is that true for NFTs or is it the opposite?
2: Ah, uh, that's really it's hard. It's hard because. So, I agree with you. That's, and that's a mistake that I made many times when I first got into DeFi is I would, you know, like first or second day out, I would get super bullish and I would buy and then you just like watch yourself lose money, right? It just, it's just gone. With NFTs, I feel like because they're so community based, if you're planning on investing long term, if you want to hold long term, right, because you intend to integrate with the community, which is, I mean, that's how I make my decisions. I don't think there's any issue with buying, uh, with, with minting. Really, it just it just depends on where you're as at as a person. If you're trying to flip, you want to make a profit, I would not buy a mint, right? Because that's not a long-term hold. It's going to bother you if you buy on mint and then the price goes down, right? Because your your entire objective was to sell that for a profit. However, if you are intending to be involved long-term, I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with minting as long as you like personally are okay with the fact that you paid X amount and you may not be able to resell it for as much.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. It's it's more like you should work backwards from finding the community that you like, finding the people you click with and that share the same ideals and vision of the future and and buy into that. And then you're like, okay, well if this thing goes up, yay. If it goes down, yay. I, I'm here for the long term. Is that kind yes. of more right?
2: Yes, absolutely because a lot of these people don't i mean nobody's looking at the prices really I, like if you're flipping absolutely you're going to be watching the price but i'm in so i'm i'm in sappy seals right i love the community i actually i haven't even really looked at the roadmap <laughs> i have no idea what's <laughs> going on with the roadmap but i love that like the founder is super active on twitter and there are a ton of seals on twitter and it's just it's it's a very wholesome like i can't explain it like it, it, good vibes can, yeah, it could totally go to zero, and it it wouldn't bother me because I I bought it with the intention of keeping it.
0: What what are some other like green flags? Like you know, there's red flags everybody knows about red flags. But you you said you know the founder's super active on Twitter, and you really liked that. You know, are there other kind of things that you've noticed across the community that that you know you should have you know people who are listening if they want to get involved? It's like I know we said roadmaps are. Is it you know are people in Discord? Are they in Telegram? Or where's the community really strengthening?
2: Yeah, I mean, you should see a lot of activity, at least either in Discord or on Twitter. I would say those are the two kind of go tos. I mean, there are people in Telegram, but Telegram is really unorganized. um, And it doesn't take a lot to set up a Telegram. With, I I think it was uh, Doodles. So I was looking at buying a Doodle during this bear market. And I went on their Twitter page just the other day. And it's like, they haven't posted anything in like three to four weeks. And so for me, that's an instant. I'm like, okay, I'm not good with that because not only, I mean, and somebody commented and said, "Oh well, they're really active in, in Discord, and there's this whole conversation." And it's like, okay, right. But as someone who's interested in buying in, not necessarily a current holder, I want to see some activity on Twitter, right? Like, what's going to pull me in? They're not being active. They're not, they're not yeah. talking to people. It's really it hard to. Remo- kinda-
0: it almost reminds me like I went back when I was a kid, I would play World of Warcraft and like you would have guilds, right? And you're just like, there's a million different guilds. Like, yes. you know, <laughs> it, you know, what makes one different than the other? It's like, well, one guild, you know, raids all the time. And, and you know, you in and if you see, okay, they haven't raided in four weeks, of course I'm not gonna be part of that guild. So it, it kind of does make that sort of overlap there.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. I also used to play uh World of Warcraft. Were were you Alliance?
0: Uh I, I played both sides to be honest.
2: Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I was one Actually, of those
0: guys. I was not a hardliner. I I uh, started <laughs> off as Alliance and then built some stuff on horde and I kind of went back and forth.
2: Very sophisticated. I only played horde.
1: <laughs> and we got Speaking destroyed. Of both sides. <laughs> Speaking of playing both sides of the market, uh, what are you doing to take advantage of this bear market? Uh, I see what you did there.
2: <laughs> um, so I've been shorting a little bit. Nothing too crazy. I, I don't have a ton of experience shorting, honestly. And we, we kind of talked about this a little bit before. I'm not the greatest. No, I can't say that. Not that I'm a bad trader. I just trade badly. That's what it is. Because I want to marry every project that I meet, right? I wanted to marry Ethereum. <laughs> There's several projects I wanted to marry. And they would have been divorced well, okay. by now if I had.
1: Let me ask you this. <laughs> what was the moment when you realized, uh, I need to go short and not long? What happened that day?
2: I lost, I think I just I had lost so much money with that mindset of because and you know what it was? And I kind of realized that is it's trading is very emotional. You you will learn so much about yourself when you start trying to trade crypto because it's so volatile and you'll watch yourself lose like 25% and then it's like 30, and you're like, no, it's gonna turn around, right? And I realized about myself personally, like I realized that I had like this weird. Like cognitive dissonance that I, like I felt like if i if I were to sell in hopes of buying lower and like you know, making a profit, that I was somehow undermining my belief in the technology, which is absolutely not <laughs> what it is, right? But I felt like I was being disloyal. I felt like it, like, okay, if I sell here and then like with the intention of buying back lower, even though I know it's going to go lower, I'm somehow hurting the system, which which is, you know, that, of course, yeah. that's not the case.
0: <laughs> no, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. A lot of times, you know, people who are like long term holders, long term believers, they're like, you know, I don't really want to short this. Uh, I just rather, you know, take the loss, you know, never realize the loss and just kind of wait it out. You know, I kind of I kind of like that thinking because you don't want to really hurt these projects a lot of the times.
2: Yeah, I, like I so I'm agree. I agree with you. I agree with you. I don't think you're actually hurting the project long term, though. I think there's a, I mean, and and absolutely. If, if you as if you are in it for the long term, again, going back to we're talking about NFTs, right? And buying in at mint price. If you are okay looking at the numbers and saying, I paid $2,000 for this thing that is now $100 worth a, worth a hundred dollars, especially when we're talking DeFi, right? Because you don't have community in DeFi. You just have a lot of really upset people who lost money. Whereas in NFTs, that's not even part of the conversation if you as a person are okay with looking at those numbers and saying hey i paid this and this is what it's worth then by all means that's awesome but what i've run into is a lot of people will think that they're okay with okay i paid these numbers and then they panic sell right so now they're out entirely and they they did solidify that loss so it really it really comes down to your relationship with money and your emotions and how you think of things. It's that's and that's one of the things that I love about crypto trading is you will very quickly understand yourself on a, I mean assuming you listen because you have to listen to yourself and you have to pay attention to your emotions. You will learn so much about yourself and if you take those cues and you try to improve based on that information, you can be a really good trader. But a lot of people are still like really they're really emotion focused. I I posted a couple days ago. I posted in a group that I moderate. We have like like half a million people, I think. And I just posted that I was that I was shorting Bitcoin. And there were so many upset people, you know? And it's it's not personal. We the market works in cycles, right? Bears can make money, bulls can can make money. Pigs get slaughtered. <laughs> so, it's I don't I try not to view it Believe it or not, you know, having mentioned that I played Horde, but never Alliance, I, I try not to have like a very dualistic view of it. But I think for a lot of people, they, they do. And it's a, prote- it's a protection mechanism, right? It's that cognitive dissonance. It's that ego where they don't want to believe, like, hey, maybe I should have sold.
1: Yeah. I think the hardest thing for people to do is admit that they're wrong. And as a trader, you have to admit that sometimes multiple times a day and really get that ego out of the way. But to be honest, like even Hall of Fame traders are wrong like at least forty percent of the time and the key is really getting faster at recognizing when your call is wrong and getting out of that position and cutting your losses when they're still small and then realizing when you're right and not selling too early. That's been my biggest guilty thing is when I'm right, I'm like, oh my god i I've got a hundred dollars in unrealized profit like and I just think of all the things in my life that I could have used $100 for when I didn't have it. I'm like, oh, I need to sell now. And there are sometimes I'll forget I have a position open and I'll check like three weeks later. And instead of taking $100 profit, it's now like $3,000 profit. And I was like, holy crap. Like If only I could get out of my own way, I would be a better trader.
2: Absolutely. And, and that's, I think, honestly, it really comes down to... So stock trading, right? So stocks don't move. They're, they're not as volatile as the crypto market. And so, I think there's uh, like the gains that you expect as a, as a stock trader. I mean, the options are a little bit different, right? Like I you can make some crazy money on options. <laughs> um but they're they're more modest. It's like 10% they're happy, 20% absolutely wonderful, you know, but in crypto it's like you can make 120% in a day, right? and it's nothing and and we just have like this kind of this expectation of that in some ways i mean obviously depending on like what you're what you're holding but it's it's a different it's a different set of rules and i really think that the key to trading is setting expectations like 30% you you buy you sell at 30 or or you set it up in waves so it's like you sell at 30 you sell at 40 you sell at 50 right? So you're not sacrificing, you're not chancing too much. But the key to all of it is not being greedy, right? And not overthinking it. And the fact that you're making a profit, you should be thankful for that, right? And then you and you just continue doing that. Because if you make a profit, a 10%, 10% profit at every trade, you're still making a profit. And that's a slow... Yes, it's a slow process, right? But it's so much better than losing 50% because you got... You know, you got too too caught up in your ego, thinking that it was going to keep going up, and everybody else sold before you did.
0: What a trip! It's just such a <laughs> such a different world than you know trading traditional stocks. Would you did you ever trade traditional stocks and bonds and all that kind of stuff? And w- what would you say to to somebody who's out there and they're you know maybe listening for the first time, like yeah, maybe wanted to start you know getting interested in NFTs, but I'm just a stocks guy. You know what would you say to them?
2: I would say so I did I did trade traditional stocks not very not very long. Um I was so you're familiar with GameStop? Oh All right.
0: yeah, yeah. The yeah. uh what was it called? The the big GME short squeeze.
2: Yes, <laughs> yes.
0: The <laughs> so meme stocks.
2: The meme stocks, yes. So that's actually when I jumped into the market. I was I was playing with like so after so when COVID hit and the market tanked, there was like There's, it's funny because I'll meet people and we'll talk about it. And they're like, oh, yeah, I was there too, right? There's like this whole demographic of people that all of a sudden jumped into stocks at that time. And it was just like a straight bull market, right? Like you just like buy, you didn't have to trade, just make all this money. Um, And so I cashed out and then I came back and I jumped into GME. I think, I think it was at $58. And it was like, I'm on Reddit, I'm not super active, but I had read, you know, the short squeeze. Hypothesis uh, on Reddit, and I was like, "Yeah, this, this sounds legit, you know, and so I, I think I put like seven, thousand dollars into it. And the price jumped, and then I learned about options, which I'd been terrified of, and I did really well. I, I actually left I actually came over to crypto from GME after uh, there was a day in January of last year when they made it to where like the hedge funds came in and said, okay, you, you can't buy, but you can sell. You know, and I, I, and I know a lot of people that lost a lot of money when they... I mean, it's technically market manipulation. And unfortunately, there hasn't been a whole lot of response from the government on that. Um, there's been a little bit, but what are you going to do? So mm. I, I waited until the next jump up, uh, and I cashed out, and I came over to crypto. I mean, the, I would say the biggest differences are... So t- 24 hours a day, right? Crypto is constantly going. I love that I don't have to request my money. I don't have to wait four days, four business days to get my money out of my account. It's great. So you have a lot more freedom. Absolutely. I Typically, I stay away from centralized exchanges. I only trade on-chain. I feel like that's one of the... For me personally, that's one of the best parts of trading crypto is having full control of my money, having my money in my wallet. Versus, you know, it being held in somebody else's custody, and we've seen actually just recently, you know, there have been some situations. There was an article, an article that came out a couple months ago, and they were talking about how, like, if Coinbase went bankrupt, you know, anybody who had deposited money into their account would potentially lose it, right? And that's that's one of the big issues with giving someone else your funds to hold on to. So I typically trade on chain. But honestly the biggest thing and I know you guys have your crypto university education is so important. Yeah, in this it's space.
0: a big piece of it. It's what we're most passionate about actually is just making sure people are equipped with just the knowledge of how to get set up on the right, you know, platforms and how to do things safely and you know I'm glad that you brought that up and you know and you know introducing people to the right characters in the space because how many times do you hear about a rug pool or how many you know characters just go off the map and steal from project treasuries so getting the right people in front of the audience is is so important to us
2: absolutely and and that's one of the nice things about a bear market is a lot of the a lot of the fluff That exists during the bull market, right? There's so much money flowing through, and there're like so many rug pulls and so many scams, and just and also the expectations are much lower in some ways. That's the great thing about the bear market is a lot of those players are not participating right now, right? Because they're not seeing an opportunity. So I think right now is like the ideal time. There's so many people that have just like stepped out of the market entirely because they don't, even from a a psychological level, they just like don't want to look at the charts right? Yeah. They don't want anything to do with it. And so this is, this is what is it? In, in bear markets, we build, right? Exactly.
1: Absolutely. You know, Cassie, it's been great to pick your brain on NFTs and hearing your journey into crypto. We've got time for one last question before we let you go. If someone's listening to this podcast since their very first time trying to learn about crypto in this bear market, what would you tell them right now? Having been through that big COVID crash and Having that be your entry,
2: oh my gosh, they need to do they need to to sign up for crypto 101 University. like they need Let's the education. Go. yes, there's so much information out there and it is so hard to sort through all of it. I can't like and I and I love research, so don't get me wrong, but it's a lot to take to take in and it's so much better to just have like an organized set of information that you can kind of go through at your own pace and learn the learn the fundamental set you need to learn.
0: Yeah. Well, if you guys want to to check out Crypto 101 University, you could go to cryptorevolution.com um, and you know, see what it's all about. Um and we would love to have you there. And Cassie, man, this was awesome. Uh can't thank you enough for your time. Uh you've got so much energy, you're so spirited and uh you know, you've got some really unique insights. So thank you for coming on and sharing that with our Crypto 101 podcast audience today.
2: Yeah. Thank you so much, Bryce. Aaron, thank you for having me.
1: Our pleasure. And it's our pleasure to have all of our listeners in with us every week. Thank you, loyal Crusaders, for being here with us. And we'll be back uh, later this week with another great guest here on the Crypto 101 podcast.